Welcome, welcome. This is Jesse with Recovering Mentally, coming to you live from Nebraska. I'm here today to talk to you about being your most authentic self. I personally left corporate America. It was affecting my mental health. It was affecting my sobriety. And now I branched out onto my own with learning all these kinds of great tools to help coach and guide you through this. Because you know what? We are awesome and we are badasses when we are doing the things that we love that are not only good for our self, our career, our success, but for our mind, body, and soul. So let's get started. Hello guys, this is Jesse coming to you from Nebraska with Recovering Mentally. Today I have a dear friend of mine, Erin Miller, who is the owner and founder of Respectful Connection. She's a certified positive discipline parent educator, parenting coach, and practitioner, as well as advocate of conscious, respectful parenting. She has been practicing positive discipline and respectful parenting methods since her first child was born in 2013, and she received her training and certification from Positive Discipline Association in 2015. She lives in Sonoma County, California with her husband and two children. Respectful Connection is the result of her passion to share the philosophy, mindset, and practical tools of positive discipline to increase connection, communication, and joy in the families she works with. Erin, thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Jesse. I'm happy to be here with you. So how did you find positive parenting? Well, it was always fairly intuitive to me. You know, when I was pregnant with my first child, my son, who's now six and a half, they grow so fast. They do. Um, they do. I, you know, found some mommy groups online, like I think most, most people do, and found kind of a community of people that were practicing. You know, it, it goes by different names, and positive parenting means different things to different people. But in general, I was finding a community of people who are practicing gentle parenting, peaceful parenting, parenting with mindful practices. And so I started to find out that this kind of way of parenting that I was doing sort of intuitively and naturally actually had a name and there were communities and in some cases there was kind of a structure. And it was a friend, I think, who invited me through a baby wearing group to a positive discipline class. It was a six week course that was being offered locally by a Montessori teacher, a Montessori preschool teacher. Our son actually ended up attending her school. She's a wonderful lady. And my husband and I attended the class. And about two weeks in, I realized that this all resonated with me so much that I not only wanted to pursue this with my own family, but that I wanted to share it and teach it as well. I love that. And what is so fascinating to me is you and I have talked numerous times. I have a child, well, I have twins, but I have one with unique abilities. Right. And what is so fascinating to me is we went through a year 
a parent-child interactive therapy with him. And so much of what you do in positive parenting, respectful connection, positive discipline is what we spent thousands of dollars (laughs) to learn in a year. And it, it was so amazing to me when I met you, it was like, now, wait a minute, where was she like two years ago? So now my audience too can understand, oh, oh, this is why we're talking parenting. We're not shaming. No, no, no. It's because there is a true correlation that positive parenting and the respectful connection is really universal for all children. Yes. And I, I would even go beyond that and say it's not only applicable to and beneficial for children, but adults as well. Because when you are focused on relationship and connection and communication and problem solving strategy and all of that is your focus as opposed to control, coercion, and behavior modification, right, then um, it, it is such a respectful model and the, the strategies and the mindset is so respectful that it applies to anyone you would be in relationship with, whether it's a, your child or your partner. Of course, it's, it's very child-focused and, and focuses specifically mostly on the parent-child relationship but it's not limited to children. You know, that's interesting because parent-child interactive therapy or otherwise known as PCIT, a lot of it focused on the parent and the reaction and the way you interact and how we can change our response in order to get a different response that we would like from our child. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I I sometimes jokingly say that my job is to teach parents to behave. uh, (laughs) Because, because, you know, we can't control anyone else. We really literally can't. We can only control what we do. We can only control our own actions, our own thoughts, and our own behaviors. And so it really is, parenting really is self-work. Yeah. And you know, so many people, I'm sure there's a couple listeners out there that said this or saying this themselves right now. And trust me, people, I've already said this to Erin. Erin, how is this not hippy dippy parenting? (laughs) (laughs) How is it not hippy dippy? How is it not a trend? Yes. Um, Yeah. So it's really interesting to me to think about the fact that we sort of have to specify, you know, the kind of, of parenting that I advocate. We have to specify it as respectful. We have to specify it as conscious. We have to specify it as mindful, as though we have to differentiate this kind of parenting mindset or strategy from mainstream or traditional parenting, which would then be by default, what, not conscious, disrespectful, not mindful, right? And so it's just really interesting, like linguistically, that we have to kind of call it out as 
This is specifically respectful, conscious parenting. You don't typically hear people talk about other kinds of relationships that way. You don't often hear people say, oh, we have a respectful marriage. Mm. Or, you know, we practice mindfulness in our relationship. It's sort of just, well, of course you would, right? right? Of course you would treat your partner with respect, right? Of course you would be kind to your, your friends, right? But when we talk about our relationship with our children, we, we have to specify that. And I think that's kind of odd. It um, is odd. <laughs> now that you point it out to me, it's very odd. And you know what's so interesting is this weekend I was talking with somebody because we were having the conversation about how he and I have bad self-talk sometimes. Like where we'll, you know, we'll, like I'll accidentally spill something and I'll say, oh God, I suck. Hold on. Let me clean that up. And my son called me out on it and said, mommy, don't talk to yourself that way. Yeah. And the person I was talking to is Shane Phillips, the CEO of uh, Project Resiliency, my nonprofit. Right. And his son did the same thing to him recently. And we were talking about it and we were like, whoa, one, they are really watching us. Oh, yeah. And two, we were comparing and contrasting how different that is from when we were kids. Mm. So when we were kids, children were supposed to be quiet. You weren't supposed to talk back. If you gave your parents advice, how dare you? It was a relationship in many ways built out of a different kind of discipline and a different kind of behavior. And as a result, You know, we have a lot of adults now that are very confused in themselves. I have been, I've heard it said numerous times, be the kind of parent that your child doesn't have to overcome later in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I truly, truly believe in that. And what you're doing really aligns with that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It, it is really interesting to think about how many of us grew up in, in previous generations. I think there has been a, a shift in general in sort of the family dynamic. And one of the things that has happened in recent decades is advances in rights, advances in rights for women, advances in rights for minorities. The family structure not all that long ago, used to be more of a, the whole thing was kind of top down. There was like a pecking order. It was sort of like this, like generally heteronormative situation where you had the father as the head of the household. And then the the mother was like, kind of took orders from above in the Mm -hmm. same way that the father would probably be going to work where he would be taking orders from his boss. Right. Right. So it went from employer to father to mother and then down to the children. So there was like a clear hierarchy, a clear pecking order. Mm -hmm. And through time, as we've sort of evolved out of that, which I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that's a positive shift to be moving away from that, (laughs) to be moving away from that structure, then suddenly the children 
we're raising children who are not seeing this hierarchy and this clear structure that's like top down and where it's clear where everyone stands in the pecking order and who they take their orders from. And, you know, and so it's a good thing, but it also has created a situation in which a lot of adults sort of look around at these children and are seeing are maybe interpreting this as children being entitled or not knowing their place or not showing respect in the way that they used to. And just as an aside, you know, when we talk about respect, we have to clarify our definition because one definition of respect is treating someone like a human being and another definition of respect is following orders and doing what you're told. And so when we talk about respect, when we respect children or when children show respect for us, we really have to be clear what we mean by respect and that we're not conflating respect with fear. Absolutely. Because I know, I'll share a little story with you. So I was telling Shane the other day when we were having this conversation I was very blessed. I was raised by some amazing parents. We were always provided for, but it did follow that hierarchy that you're talking about, that pecking order. Mm-hmm. And so there was fear based when it came to my dad. Well, my dad, uh, at one point, I think I was like 13 at the time, he tore his Achilles tendon and he was in a cast and laid up. And he was very angry with my sister and he had said something that in my opinion and even now at almost 41 years old still my opinion was going too far was Mm -hmm. very hurtful and (laughs) I stood six feet away from the couch and said you can call me anything you want but don't ever say that to her again and then I ran up the stairs And I did this because I knew I was safe because he was laid up and couldn't run after me. And I've always said that there were certain things growing up. And like I said, I love my parents. They did an amazing job. But there, I think we also learn from the past and we learn from our parents. And there were certain things that they did that I, once I had children said, you know what? I am going to do this a little bit differently. And a great example is my parents got divorced mm, 25 years ago, maybe. They still can't, they, they can be in the same room together, but it's very tense for me and my sisters because the divorce and the lead up to it was so intense. And right now, my ex-husband and I live together for the sake of our children. And we have dinner together as a family every night. And we talk. In fact, we invited my girlfriend over for dinner one night. And we got done with dinner. And she goes, y'all are crazy up in here. That was the <laughs> funniest, weirdest dinner I think I've ever been to in all my life. Because everybody at that dinner table has a voice. And is allowed to be their authentic selves, including my new uniquely challenged son. 
it is a safe space. It is a welcome space. And they know mommy and daddy are divorced. They know that the love is a friendship love for our love for them. And I really think parents these days are changing the landscape. Now, I'm not trying to say everybody should go out and live with their ex. That could be, no. <laughs> no <laughs> well, should I say that? That's situational. And in your case, that's beautiful. I love it. Absolutely beautiful. But I think what is interesting is people like yourself are really paving a new parent role. And we have to get what you're doing is amazing too, because it gets rid of that guilt and that parent shaming. Yes. And, and brings us all together back to the, it takes a village. Yeah. And, you know, something else you said with regards to respect, you know, my sister taught me that, that she was very, very cautious about teaching her children to say no, because she goes, remember when we, when we were kids, we, you know, you never told your parent or an adult, no right? You, you, you followed what they told you to do. Well, she pointed out to me that the reason she's careful of this is because thank God, none of us were in this situation, but what if somebody, an adult, if we're teaching our children, you have to respect adults and we leave it at that. What if there's an inappropriate situation? And now they're not empowered to say, no, this is not okay. Absolutely. And so you're absolutely right. The word respect has definitely taken on a new definition. And I just feel like you're one of the pioneers trailblazing that road. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jesse, you're spot on about that. We We have to be careful, like I said, not to conflate respect with fear or with obedience. And, um, you know, I wrote a whole article called Say Yes to the No about why we should allow our kids to say no. And I gave many different reasons. But one of the one of the main things is just as you brought up, our children might end up in a situation where it is crucial for them to say no to an authority figure. And they need to feel empowered to do that. And we need to let them practice. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're going to say no to us. And if we treat their saying no as misbehavior, we're, we're kind of setting ourselves up. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you know, something else that kind of coincides with that is I, I actually saw somebody ask this on a parenting group and I was going to respond, but somebody else already did. And they responded the way I would have responded. So I left it at that. Um, but <laughs> they asked, is it okay to tell your child, I'm sorry, I screwed up. And I know for me, I say it all the time because oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm not perfect. No way. So how would you reach somebody that that's questioning what would you say to somebody that's questioning is it okay that I do this and why is it okay yeah well my strong clear gut reaction is to say yes absolutely beyond a doubt it's beyond the shadow of a doubt it's okay to say to to apologize and to 
admit mistakes. In fact, I think it's really, really important beyond okay, it's necessary. Now, if somebody is kind of struggling with that idea and feel unsure about it, where I'd probably start with is asking them why they're uncomfortable with it. Why are they questioning whether it's okay? What do they think will happen? What is their concern, right, with admitting that they were wrong or with apologizing? First of all, it's incredibly important to be able to model for our children that making mistakes is okay and then it doesn't have to stop you and also modeling what apologies look like, what a genuine apology looks like, not you screwed up so you have to go say you're sorry, right? That doesn't really help anybody. We're, we're after showing them what a genuine apology looks like and letting them know that mistakes are okay. I mean, can you imagine the pressure of having modeled for you a perfect parent that never does anything wrong? Can you imagine the stress as a child in trying to live up to that? There's just no way. I mean, it's really important to show our kids that we're all human, we all screw up, and when we screw up, it's like, it's okay, failure is feedback. Absolutely, right? oh, I love that. Failure is feedback, mistakes are wonderful opportunities to learn, and we can embrace our mistakes, and if our mistakes hurt someone, we can own it, we can apologize, and we can repair and we can move forward. And that's where the connection is. You know, I've noticed, and I'm not gonna lie, I it wasn't until like three years ago, nah, maybe four years ago, that I was watching Facebook and it was Kirk Cameron. And I loved Kirk Cameron when I was a kid. In fact, he still owes me a fan letter. I need to talk to him about that. And I was watching him and he was talking about this exact thing about how amazing it is to humble yourself in the I'm sorry to your child. And so I, I took that and I ran with it. But what was what's even more interesting is when you apologize to your child, they're really quick to forgive, which is a really good lesson for them, but really a good lesson for us too. Yeah. I mean, your child ultimately loves you. So they don't want to sit and be mad at you. So they're going to forgive you. Like, I mean, my daughter forgives me at the snap of the fingers. I'm like, really? You're not going to hold just a little bit of a grudge, like 10 minutes? Nope, it's done. And that has taught me a lot yeah. about forgiving other people in my life as an adult. It's amazing what these kids can teach us through trying to be a more positive parent and trying to work on ourselves in order for them to grow up to be better human beings. Absolutely. One of my favorite things about the work that I do as I practice it in my own family is that it creates this kind of echo effect where when I'm practicing these mindful strategies, when I'm focusing on the relationship, when I'm focusing on connection, when I'm focusing on problem solving, then all of that models for my children a certain way of being and kind of rubs off on them. And then they are able to reflect it back to me 
even when I'm not having my best moment as a parent. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, just an example, my four-year-old, and he started doing this when he was three. I did not coach him to do it. When I am frustrated, he holds up two fingers, like it looks like a peace sign. He holds up two fingers and he says, Mom, can you just take two deep breaths? <gasps> wow. Now, he's not responsible for my emotions or my processing or any of that, right? He's not responsible for that. But at the same time, it is so incredibly helpful and such a beautiful thing for him to be able to just naturally, because of who he is, give me those reminders in those moments when I need them. When I'm starting to flip out a little bit, I'm starting to get flustered, and he just gives me this reminder, Mama, can you take two deep breaths? And oh I say, yes, I can. And I take two deep breaths, and every single time, I feel so much better, right? I love that. Yeah. Oh, that just melts my heart. It does mine too, every single time. Do you know, today alone, I had an experience. So my son, and for those of you that don't know, my son is on the spectrum with ADHD, anxiety, and a mood disorder. He also has become, it happened before COVID-19 and became even more prominent after COVID-19. He does not like to be kissed on the lips. Mm -hmm. it's It's a hard no for him. And for a while there, I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to be like, but I want to give my son a kiss goodnight. And it was hurting my heart. Well, today, he came over and gave me a hug and looked at me and turned his head away really quick. He'll let you kiss him on the cheek or the neck or whatever, or on the top of his head, but just not on the lips. And he turned his head really, really quick. And he said, ha, you missed. And I said, no. I wasn't trying to kiss you on the mouth. Those are your boundaries. Mm-hmm. You don't like that. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to push your boundaries. It is okay for you to say, no, you can give me a kiss on the cheek, but not on the mouth. And I, I, what, he looked at me like I was a loony. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, no, honey, seriously. And in that moment, you could just see the spark in his eyes that he felt empowered and he was appreciative. Of course. Oh, okay. So it's just, it's so interesting to me what positive parenting, what PCIT does. I, it, It truly is, no matter if your child is on the spectrum or if your child is like my daughter who is not on the spectrum but is eight going on 25, (laughs) it's a universal language. You know, my mom always said that if I had a daughter that I was going to get paid tenfold for the teenagers, (laughs) and I thought she was right. She might be right. But I've opened the door starting when she was about four to mommy and Layla conversations. And we continue those even now. And I've also noticed that when 
I check myself, if Layla or Landon has a moment where they are crying and, you know, because even at eight, tantrums still exist, people. I mean, we're lying to ourselves if we say they don't. They still exist. And if they get in that tantrum, I'll tell them, just go to your room and calm down. And then we can talk about it after. And I say it in that tone. Now, three years ago, four years ago, before I went through PCIT, I would be like, go to your room. And it would just be a stomping and hitting things. And I have to say, being in control of my emotion in that moment, they come out of the room calm that much quicker. Because I'm not mad. I'm in control. Mm -hmm. And that just amazes me. And when you're out of curiosity, when you're working with your clients, what do you work on? What do you go through? Wow, that's a really big question. Sorry. Um, (laughs) That's okay. No, it's great. So we may work more generally just to kind of share tools and concepts. It kind of depends on where they're starting out. So Oftentimes, typically the the parents that I work with are parents who are in one of two spots. They either know that they want to change the way that they're parenting, they want to be doing something different, they want to be more focused on relationship and connection, and they, they want to practice more conscious, respectful parenting but they just don't know exactly what that looks like. They're like, that sounds great. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one kind of typical kind of client. And then the other case would be parents who are, are wanting to and trying to parent respectfully or using positive discipline, but either it doesn't really seem to be working like it's not how they're they're trying to do it but it's not quite having the results that they expected so they may need some direction there to kind of assess what they're doing or they really really want to be parenting in a certain way and they know it's kind of like hindsight is golden like they know in the moment what they quote should have done I don't like use the word should but they know what they want to be doing but something is getting in their way mm. Like they want to be calm. They want to be able to navigate situations with control, you know, self-control and confidence and, and calm and peace. But when it comes down to it, they still find themselves freaking out or yelling or, or punishing or things they don't want to be doing. They're having trouble getting through that. So did that sort of start to answer your question? That <laughs> totally answers my question. So that's and- sort of where people are starting to come from. And so oftentimes people will come to me with like, you know, I will always start off with what is your biggest parenting challenge? Like, let's start with the urgent need. What's keeping you up at night? Let's start there, right? And then sort of assess what's needed. So when we want to make any shift or transformation, either with parenting or anything else in our life, you know, there are really four key things that we need. There's mindset, skill set, tool set, and support through implementation. Those are the four things. Mindset, skill set, tool set, support. So those are like the four wheels on the vehicle that's going to get you from point A to point B. And if any one of those wheels are missing, you're not going to get very far very fast. 
-hmm. And if multiple wheels are missing, you're really not going to get very far. Your journey is going to be even more difficult. So the people that I work with are generally people who are already on this journey. They know where they're trying to go, but maybe they've got a flat tire. (laughs) And you know what? I totally can understand that because that is where I was at with Landon Hmm. four years ago. I knew the parent I wanted to be. I was being that parent with one of the twins, but everything that I used for Layla did not work for Landon. Yeah. And, you know, being a parent of fraternal twins and even being a parent of identical twins, which I'm not, but I, I have a lot of friends who are, it's very easy to go, well, this one this one's doing it. So why isn't that one doing it? And I have had now they both realize that mommy has to parent each of them differently because they're their own each individuals. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing that, that our, our generation did not receive. Like if, if one acted a certain way, no matter if that other one was a completely different individual, they got treated the same way. And I think that positive parenting, I think that the reflection upon ourselves as parents, what we want to be and how we can get there is the greatest thing ever and the greatest gift we can give to our children. Yeah. Yes. And I, you bring up such an important point with that, that we, strategies that work for some kids are are not going to work for other kids. And even within the same family, you know, because we're different people. We have, we're, we're born with different temperaments. You know, when a baby is born, they're not a blank slate. They got a whole thing going on there, right? They've got a personality and, and characteristics and, you know, we're all different. And so it stands to reason that our relationships are all different. So, you mm-hmm. know, your relationship with your son is different from your relationship with your daughter. Well, of course it is. You're different people. The right. relationship isn't going to be identical and therefore the parenting can't be identical. And I think as parents, we sometimes get caught up in or worried about treating our children fairly. And there is something to be said for like putting kids in the same boat, but also it's, it's okay to have different expectations of different people mm-hmm. because we have to meet other people where they are. Absolutely. Not just kids, everyone. Yeah. So It would um, not be fair to land in. Well, as I learned this weekend, cleaning his room, quote, with him, I realized something. I realized Landon has to learn slower how to put his clothes away. He doesn't, he doesn't understand that we don't just shove. It's, it's folded for a reason, and here's the reason, so we have enough room for all the clothes in the drawers. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize is Landon needed to be shown that he's visual Layla did not and it had I not have gone through this kid's closet I never would have learned but I did and the thing is is we've had the conversation now that he is not it's not he's unable of doing it he 
learns how to do things differently. And it was unfair of me to just expect that he would know because his sister knew. Right. I, it was unfair. And I did. I apologized to him and let him know I didn't realize. And this is what our plan was going to be going forward. And he was very pleased with that. He was very pleased with that. So, I mean, everything that we've talked about all kind of ties in. And it, and it does. It comes back to that amazing word, respect. And then let's call it the updated version <laughs> of what respect actually means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And it also points to that again, we're kind of back to like, why is this so difficult? Like so many people have kids. Why is raising them so complicated? You know, so why, right. why isn't this easier? You know, why, why <laughs> can't like take a class or like learn how to do like, you know, So shouldn't it be more natural? Well, I mean, the thing is, there just isn't a tab A slot B system for parenting because again, it comes back to we're all individuals. We're all imperfect human beings in relationship with other imperfect human beings. And we all learn differently. We all communicate a little bit differently. That's why, you know, within positive discipline, there are so many different tools. I've got tools and tools and more tools and strategy after strategy after strategy because one strategy isn't going to work for any given kid and any given parent in any given situation. And so, you know, I think a lot of parents probably don't like hearing the answer. It depends when they ask, you know, well, this, my kid is doing this. What should I do? What is the solution? And it's like, well, it depends. Let me ask you about a hundred questions about your situation. (laughs) And maybe, you know, those deep probing questions that I ask that people either love or hate. But that's like what it takes sometimes even to get to the bottom of something that's seemingly simple. You know, one person's nap time solution is not another person's nap time solution. It's just, it's not that simple, unfortunately. But that's what I'm here to help people with, right? I'm here to help you dig with the things that need digging. (laughs) Yes. And help you figure out what to do with the things that you dig up. And there's no shame in our game. We're all here to get through it together. How can we find you? Oh, so I have a website. It's respectfulconnection.com. So you can find some resources there. I'm, I'm always updating things. I'm coming up right now with a lot of new stuff a lot of new resources, engagement with my clients, and it's all very exciting and also just takes time. So it's a lot of things I don't have quite in place yet, but the place to be, to be in the, in the know about everything that's coming up. I have a workshop coming up on power struggles. I have an online challenge coming up for parents. And so all of that stuff you can find in my group, my Facebook group, which is parenting with respectful connection. And that's where I'm hanging out most of the time, engaging with people, giving resources and support in our little online community. Wonderful. You guys, you can find Erin's information on our Recovering Mentally Crew Facebook group page. Join the page. There is no 
we will add you immediately. There's no pre-qualification to get in the group, but you can find Erin, her website, and her Facebook page in there. Erin, thank you so much for coming on. Jesse, thank you. I love all of our conversations. I do too. So wonderful. Thank you for everything. And you guys, feel free to stop back by and check us out on Recovering Mentally. We will talk soon. Well, you guys, that's all we've got for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you go out in the world this week and be the badasses and authentic selves that you are because you are amazing. Do not hesitate to hit review and let us know what you need to hear because that's the goal. We're here for you. We are recovering mentally together. See you soon.